0: Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinhardt. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is again, and I'm happy to have her again, Annie Bailey. She's an analyst covering emerging technologies such as blockchain and artificial intelligence here at Kupinger Coal, And we will talk again a bit about AI governance. Hi Annie.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me back.
0: Great to have you. And actually, this is a follow-up to an earlier episode that we did where we, where we looked a bit more at the more philosophical, more society-oriented aspects of AI governance. And today, we want to yeah, follow up on that, but also get to more specific um, recommendations, advice for, for companies, for businesses, thinking of applying um, AI uh, within their solutions. What would be a good starting point for making sure that governance is applied adequately within an organization, within a commercial uh, company wanting to apply AI to their solutions?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a really good place to start actually is something called the Singaporean model AI governance framework. Um, and so this isn't anything which is legally binding and it's not even specifically applied to Singapore. Um, it was designed as, as in the title as a model framework that could be used um, anywhere in the world to, to help guide an organization with the development process um, for AI or even the acquisition, if you're simply purchasing it from a developer, um, the implementation, and also the kind of the end of the life cycle as well, how to how to retire it. Um, And so this is really the most practical framework which is out there. Um, So this is a fantastic starting point. There's some kind of interesting things about it. There's uh, talk in the the AI governance world of how to keep humans involved. There's something called human in the loop okay. um, or human out of the loop. Um, and so this is kind of referring to how, um, how involved a person actually is in a decision which is being made. Um, so you can imagine with no AI involved, this is, pretty usually a human in the loop situation where the human is the key decision maker here because there is no AI there to support it. So as AI is coming in with um, recommendation systems, with um, scenarios, with uh, different types of predictions and analysis, the question becomes, well, if the system already came up with our answer, with our recommendation, do we really need a human to approve it or not? Or should it just be implemented? So the Singaporean model um, actually keeps a more open look at this. You you typically hear that there should always be human in the loop with AI. Um, and and for the reason that that you want uh, a human to be able to say no this is not an appropriate decision no we should not go forward with that you want some some sort of control over halting a decision which is not good or correct but a lot of the applications we have of ai are for for non-mission critical things so a recommendation on what other products you could buy if you you know buy those uh Shoes, or a T-shirt, or a book. You know what other things would you be interested in? You know, it could be annoying if it's not very accurate, or if it's you know recommending something offensive, or you know there can be lots of hiccups and problems with that. But it's not necessarily a mission critical thing where somebody's life or health or rights are going to be compromised. Um, and so this is a I am more realistic approach to, um, to using governance for, um, for companies who have, yeah, who have an end goal of, of providing some sort of efficiency, um, rather than staying simply on the philosophical level that humans need to always have the veto power
0: right i think that, that is also really one of the the key concepts of of machine learning so always being capable of of adjusting the rules that apply and that machine learning then codifies afterwards to so really make sure that you, you in the in the beginning i assume that you cannot provide a complete set of guidelines to such a machine learning system by just having it learn from an example. So this second line of defense to understand. Okay, um, from what it has learned already, this decision is straightforward, but it's wrong anyway. So we have to um, we have to to provide more more guidance, as you said, more rules, more real life experience, to just also improve this machine learning model and the system behind that.
1: Mm-hmm yeah and you you bring up a really important point there too, which when you're referring to machine learning, which you know is, is sitting underneath this umbrella term of AI and AI is really a, a collection of technologies which all operate in very, very different ways um and so it's this is also an added level of of complication for governing this well because um AI is such a broad term, and there are going to be different processes for, for governing different types of machine learning or different types of robotics or computer vision, things like that. So yes, that is that is completely true, um, that uh, companies do need guidance on how to approach this though. And so there are some, some good standard questions to be asking so, so such as um, the human in the loop question. You know, as a as a company, you really need to decide what is your organization's policy on that. What is your stance? Um, what uh, what is your AI project really going to be doing? Is this mission critical? Is this not? And and where do you sit on this human in the loop, out of the loop, or there's even something called over the loop um, kind of concerning um, having the ability to, to oversee or, or, you know, be flagged when something is, um, is a miss, but otherwise when things are, are uh, progressing normally or, or recommendations are being made without any hiccups that um, they just, uh, are implemented automatically. So, another uh, recommendation though, or a question that organizations should be asking is how the model is able to be explained. Um, and this is, with a good explanation model, this can allow more um, human out-of-the-loop uh, situations, because you have a foundation which can be audited and um, tracked, explained to individual customers if there is an issue. Um, So this is with a good foundation of explanation, then you can have different degrees of human in or out of the loop.
0: Okay. Um, So this explainability, um, I I assume that there is an issue when it comes to when when AI really does its job really well, so that that when it runs on a, on a high volume of of, of interactions, so when there are many interactions at the same time. Um, providing explainability for an individual use case um, might be difficult to impossible at, at that point in time when it really, yeah, it fulfills its promise. Is it's really running at a high volume, and the model is um, constantly evolving as well? Uh, isn't that a challenge for the organization as well? So that it's just no longer mere from the mere volume possible to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So this is. The the question of explainability is one which is being answered, um, but it's not perfect yet. And so this is um, really one thing which is holding back the maturity of a lot of AI solutions is that um, a local explanation, so an explanation which applies to one single decision um, or one single customer interaction, one single data point, it can be explained. So this local explanation um, really is challenging for a lot of the "quote unquote" black box algorithms. So a machine learning algorithm which um, is kind of unreadable from the outside; that its its um, processes are masked somehow, and to to a normal lay person, is not going to be understandable. Um, So, although a a data scientist may be able to understand the process, that's also um, uh, very specific information that um, an end user will not have, um, not be able to work with, will not be able to understand. And so there are Options there are um, uh, algorithms which can be attached on retrospectively to your model. So if you have um, a recommendation model which is being used, um, you can add depending on what it is. Um, if it's a if it's a classification model, if it's um, yeah, you can you can add things on or you can add an algorithm on afterwards, which helps to identify what attributes most impacted the decision. So if you're um, classifying images, for example, you can have algorithms which go on afterwards and assess, okay, was this a tree or was this an apple? Um, And it will highlight um, areas of a picture which most contributed to the decision of either tree or apple. Um, and so this can be a more human-readable way of explaining why that decision was what it was for that particular picture.
0: But that is an important point that you mentioned because um, when you say you can go back to the actual source that's behind the decision made afterwards, then we also should apply governance to to the Initial training data, so the, the the data that is prepared for actually um, making the machine learning system learn. So I think there that is also an important area of, of governance. Then, mm-hmm.
1: absolutely, because um, a model is is only as good as its training data, um, and also as, as much or and it's only as good as its validation. Data and so there are there are a few phases to training a model. So you first start out with training, which is the this first round of feeding, for example, an image classification system. This is the first round of feeding it images of trees and apples and trees and apples, and it learns over and over again. Ah, okay, this is a tree. This is an apple, um, and then you have to validate that. So you send in another. Um, set of data which it hasn't seen before and you're checking to see okay how well does it actually perform that can it accurately recognize this or that Um, and then you have it actually in use you know uh, uh, doing the job which it was created to do um, uh, coming from live data or data from your organization's um, own sources so this data all had to come from somewhere, and it's um, really important that it's a representative set for your end goal. And so, if you're only identifying apple trees and red delicious apples, then you know it's it's important that you have enough examples of those trees and apple types in your data, but. If you're wanting to identify all sorts of trees and all sorts of apples, then that needs to be accurately um, and proportionately uh, displayed in your training set, in your validation set, um, and also to keep checking on your live data, on on the data that it is processing in operation, that um, that's actually your goal, that you're still continuing to need to look at all sorts of trees
0: so you would recommend that it's not only an it problem so but that you need really need to involve all types of experts from different angles to solve the solution, so to understand the semantics behind um, for example training data as you as you've mentioned um, it, it's easy with apples and trees, but it's 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 much more difficult when it comes to real life recommendation systems so that to, to to judge upon the quality, to adjust it, and, and to make sure that it actually is fit for training the model is really a problem that is far outside of the IT perspective. So it's really a cross-department um, team that is required to, to apply governance as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a conversation and, and always keeping in mind – um, the end goal: What is this model going to be used for? Um, and so this is this is something ongoing. It's really rare to find somebody who is both a data scientist and able to um, to prepare um, and train an algorithm, and the same person who will be overseeing it in operations, who is who is actually going to be um, working with the results that it prepares and looking for specific. Um, Specific results. So this really has to be a conversation between these both, uh, these two sides, these multiple sides, to to make sure that okay, the the data is coming from um, a place that there's appropriate permissions to use that data for training. That it's um, in the correct proportions, but it's also achieving the correct goal. Um, And of course, that that goal it still meets that goal three years in the future or five years in the future, because goals change um, and input data changes. Um, and so a model needs to be robust enough to reflect those changes over time. So it's an ongoing conversation.
0: Right, understood. So that- Again, a, a bit as a kind of summary, it, it puts a high level of responsibility onto each organization um, that is using a technology in general and AI especially. Uh, it really needs to be well justified for which purpose you you use this um, technology, which data you build it um, with, and uh, where you apply it afterwards. Um, just um, if if our audience is interested in le- learning more about that, I assume that there is also research available at Kupinga Call and that you can that they can get in touch with you as well to to discuss individual issues. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's research um, definitely on explainability and options which are out there, um, piecing or, and and parsing out this governance question more taking a look at the different frameworks which are out there and and how to approach this for your different needs so um your needs as a as a company um acquiring ai capabilities are going to be different than if you're developing them in-house um so these are These are resources which are available.
0: Okay, great. Thank you very much. And um, I'm really looking forward to um, continuing this discussion with you uh, in an upcoming episode of this podcast. Uh, For now, the time is over. Thank you very much, Annie, again for joining me. And thank you to the audience for listening. So thanks again. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. Bye.